Hello? How are you? Gotta say hi in Discord. Hello? How is everyone doing? Um, I hope my audio is sounding okay. I'm having to use a different mic this week. I'm waiting on a, uh, a warranty with my other mic. That one should be arriving soon enough. I hope my audio sounds good. Can I get some feedback? How's it sounding? How we doing? How's it look? Sounds fine? Sounds fine in Discord? Good. In that case, Discord, how's it going? Addy, Hearthook, Joseph, uh, Mook, Muffin Man, Pokemon Girl, Rachel, Sander, Shatsy. Hello, everyone. And audio sounds good in Mixer. Wonderful. So, Jess, hello. Courtney, Gwendog, Hook Love One, Holly Rose, Odd Man. Mr. Foos, Gwendog, Baby Zay. How are y'all doing? Wirejax. Witch Witch, hello. Have a good one. All right. How are y'all doing? Shazi says, I don't mind plagues. I'm an essential worker. No clowns or frogs. Indeed. How is everyone doing? Which Hazel said, hey, finally back after two weeks. Welcome back. Good to have you, of course. Um, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Things are going all right here. Hitting New York right now? Yeah, I'm not surprised. All right, folks. Well, here's a question for you. What did we see last week? This is one of the best parts of my week as well, odd man. And I'm glad you enjoy it so much. All right. Oh, I just realized my why, why my camera's all wonky. It's because I actually overlit the place. That's all right. I'll deal with it in a second. What did we see last time? I'm going to take down the uh, mix play panel here. Bop. Get rid of that. And I can get rid of this one. Okay. Uh, the mic is not here yet. I only completed the... Um, uh, I only had the... We, we've been going back and forth about the warranty stuff for a little while. Um, I officially have the warranty in as of the night before last. So, it's not here yet. Uh, they even said that with, with some of the stuff that's going on, they've been on waits of like... Delays, I should say, of like 7 to 14 days. Um, so, it may be a little bit. Fortunately, I've got this one. This is my old standby. This is the one that I did the first two years of uh, Sidecar Stories on, first year and a half. I can't remember exactly how long it was, but um, this one this one put in some good time, and uh, it's coming in clutch now, so we're all good. And Jess says, last was the necklace, right? And yes, indeed it was. We had our, uh, we had an incident. Had a bit of an incident. Um, uh, so last week was... Um, silver and Opals and the Secret Riddle. So in Silver and Opals, Dumbledore is gone, it seems. Um, he hasn't been seen around in a while. Uh, Hermione seems pretty confident that he is off doing work for the Order of the Phoenix. Something mysterious. We're not sure exactly what. Um, 
uh, Harry tests out a spell called Levacorpus, which turns out is going to yoink Ron right out of his bed by the ankle and hang him around upside down in the air. This isn't the first time we've seen that spell. As a matter of fact, um, Harry's father used a similar one at one point back in, uh, back in Deep History. Not only that, but so did the Death Eaters at the Quidditch World Cup. Harry entertains the thought that maybe his father is the half-blood prince, but he remembers his father isn't a half-blood and doesn't like to think that his father might have any association with a spell used by Death Eaters at all. They head down to Hogsmeade. It's not a fun trip. The weather is absolutely awful. Um, While they're there, however, they do run into Slughorn, who invites Harry to yet another party that he's going to try and get out of. Um, And then they see... A familiar face that they weren't expecting. Mundungus Fletcher, who is apparently here to sell some of Harry's belongings. Some of Harry's belongings left to him by Sirius Black. Uh, It would appear that Mundungus Fletcher has somewhat raided um, uh, number 12 Grimald Place and is now selling them on the black market. No good. Harry gets terribly angry. And uh, really, I mean, to be frank, he assaults uh, Mundungus Fletcher. But Mundungus is uh, a little bit quicker on the uptake and manages to apparate out of there. Well, disapparate out of there. Apparate somewhere else. Um, Tonks appears kind of out of nowhere and and, uh, sees that Harry gets safely inside a different tavern. um, Where they stay just briefly until finally um, they decide, you know what, it's just terrible here right now. Let's head back up to school. Um, As they're headed up, up to school... They meet Katie Bell. And as they're walking behind Katie Bell and her friend, Katie and her friend suddenly have a a disargument, a disagreement about a package that Katie is holding, at which point it tears open and Katie is cursed. She flies up into the air um, silently for a moment and then she just starts screaming. Um... Uh, after getting some help from the people around, um, including Hagrid, who carries Katie back up to the castle, Harry, Ron, Hermione talk to her friend Leanne, who have uh, who who saw most of what happened, um, but still doesn't quite understand it. Apparently, Katie got this package from somebody uh, in the bathroom of the tavern and is supposed to bring it up to somebody in the castle. We're not sure what's going on, but Harry insists that. This is the object that Malfoy was trying to get in Borken and Burks. They saw it there. That much is true, but McGonagall seems uh, apprehensive to believe in this course of events involving Malfoy. Harry's going to need more proof if he wants to prove that Malfoy really is behind anything like this. In Chapter 13, we read about the secret riddle. The secret riddle is another trip through memories uh, from Dumbledore. This time they are Dumbledore's memories himself. Dumbledore and Harry, uh, for their next session, head to Dumbledore's memory of an orphanage. It's the orphanage where Tom Riddle was born, where um, Merope Gaunt went to uh, have her baby and then swiftly passed away. Um... They follow Dumbledore through his memory as uh, he made his first trip to visit the the very young Tom Riddle. Um, And it would seem that he's there to invite Tom Riddle to come to Hogwarts. 
Tom Riddle is already showing some signs of, I don't know, negative behavior. I don't want to put, uh, I don't want to like try and interpret it too much. I think you should listen to the chapter itself if you're interested in it. Um, by the way, there's a lot of noise coming through here. Let me put on a quick noise filter. How about that? Is that a lot better? I don't think it's going to come through at all for the Discord, but it should be better for uh, for you Mixer folks. Already, uh, Tom Riddle is showing some pretty negative behavior. Um, and uh, after leaving the memory, Harry and Dumbledore uh, talk about Riddle and, and his history and his past where he came from, the things that he must have believed or come to uh, come to either understand or, you know, whether or not they were true because of the situation that he was in, uh, including both, you know, his belief that his father must have been the magical one because his mother never would have died if she had had any magic in her. Um, and Harry is still insisting that Malfoy is responsible. So that's where we're at. Um, we had a, a, a knockdown drag out uh, part two of an arena fight today. So my voice is a little rough, but it was an excellent time. I enjoyed it a ton. And if you are interested in uh, jumping onto that particular wagon, um, our lovely, beautiful fantasy wagon, uh, we now have a wiki dedicated to this channel and it's going to hold mostly information at least for right now regarding dungeon world so if you're just not sure like where to get in and you don't necessarily want to watch the whole thing um there will be episode recaps um up on the wiki uh in addition to all the information about the world and the other characters that we've met so far so if you want to catch up quick that's the spot to do it it is sidecarstories.fandom.com so i hope you'll check that out it is an excellent time and now let us continue, shall we? It's great to have y'all here. Good morning from Australia. Book and hook, welcome. Um, I hope y'all are doing really well. Um, I hope everyone is staying safe. And I hope you enjoy as we commence on our chapters. Let me turn off the noisemaker real quick. Here we go. And don't forget, y'all have the opportunity to uh, contribute to that wiki if you wish to do so. As such, let us begin. Where are we here? Hold on. I need to start putting in like markers between every chapter. Oh, cool. Okay. Yep. The wiki is very cool. I'm seeing a lot of support for that. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about that wiki. Um, it is, once again, sidecarstories.fandom.com, and uh, it'll have all the information you need to catch up on Chat Plays Dungeon World and uh, whatever other stuff we might be working on. What is this? What is this big... What am I looking at here? Just... Oh, I see. 
Come on. Okay. Is that a bit better? There we go. Finally. Let's begin. Chapter 14. Felix Felicis. Harry had herbology first thing the following morning. He had been unable to tell Ron and Hermione about his lesson with Dumbledore over breakfast for fear of being overheard, but he filled them in as they walked across the vegetable patch toward the greenhouses. The weekend's brutal wind had died out at last. The weird mist had returned, and it took them a little longer than usual to find the correct greenhouse. Oh, scary thought, the boy you-know-who said Ron quietly, as they took their places around one of the gnarled Snargaluff pods, excuse me, Snargaluff stumps that formed this term's project, and began pulling on their protective gloves. But I still don't get why Dumbledore's shown you all this. I mean, it's really interesting and everything, but <laughs> what's the point? I don't know, said Harry, inserting a gum shield. But he says it's all important, and it'll help me survive. I think it's interesting, said Hermione earnestly. It makes absolute sense to know as much about Voldemort as possible. How else will you find out about his weaknesses? So, how was Slughorn's latest party? Harry asked her through the thick gum shield. Oh, it was quite fun, actually said Hermione, now putting on protective goggles. I mean, he drones on about famous ex-pupils a bit, and he absolutely fawns on McCloggin because he's so well-connected, but he gave us some really nice food and introduced us to Gwynog Jones. Gwynog Jones, said Ron, his eyes widening under his own goggles. The Gwynog Jones, captain of the Orlyhead Harpies. That's right, said Hermione. Personally, I thought she was a bit full of herself, but... Quiet enough talking over there, said Professor Sprout briskly, bustling over and looking stern. You're lagging behind. Everybody else has started. Neville's already got his first pod. They looked around. Sure enough. Uh, there sat Neville, with a bloody lip and several nasty scratches along the side of his face, but clutching an unpleasantly pulsating green object about the size of a grapefruit. Okay. Professor, we're starting now, said Ron, adding quietly when she had turned away. Should have used Muffliato, Harry. No, we shouldn't, said Hermione at once, looking, as she always did, intensely cross at the thought of the half-blood prince and his spells. Well, come on. We'd better get going. She gave the other two an apprehensive look. They all took deep breaths and then dived at the gnarly stump between them. It sprang to life at once. Long, prickly, bramble-like branches. Vines flew out top and whipped through the air. One tangled itself in Hermione's hair, and Ron beat it back with a pair of secateurs. Harry succeeded in tramping a couple of the vines and knotting them together. A hole opened in the middle of all of the tentacle-like branches. Hermione plunged her arm bravely into this hole, which closed like a trap around her elbow. Harry and Ron tugged and wrenched at the vines, forcing the hole to open again, and Hermione snatched her arm free, clutching in her fingers a pod just like Neville's. At once, the prickly vines shot back inside, and the gnarled stump sat there looking like an innocently dead lump of wood. 
You know, I don't think I'll be having any of these in my garden when I've got my own place, said Ron, pushing his goggles up onto his forehead and wiping sweat from his face. Pass me the bowl, said Hermione, holding the pulsating pod at arm's length. Harry handed over one, and she dropped the pod into it with a look of disgust on her face. Don't be squeamish. Squeeze it out. They're the best when they're fresh, called Professor Sprout. Anyway, said Hermione, continuing their interrupted conversations as though a lump of wood had not just attacked them. Slughorn's going to be having a Christmas party, Harry, and there's no way you'll be able to wriggle out of this one because he's actually asked me to check your free evening so that he could be sure to have it on a night that you can come. Uh, Harry groaned. Meanwhile, Ron, who was attempting to burst the pod in the bowl by putting both hands on it, standing up and squashing it as hard as he could, said angrily, And this is another party just for Slughorn's favourites, is it? Just for the Slug Club, yes, said Hermione. The pod flew out from under Ron's fingers and hit the greenhouse glass, rebounding onto the back of Professor Sprout's head and knocking her off of her old patched hat. Excuse me. Knocking off her old patched hat. Harry went to retrieve the pod. When he got back, Hermione was saying, Look, I didn't make up the name Slug Club. Slug Club? repeated Ron with a sneer worthy of Malfoy. It's pathetic. Well, I hope that you enjoy your party. Why don't you try hooking up with McCluggan? And Slughorn can make you king and queen slug. We're allowed to bring guests, said Hermione, who for some reason had turned bright boiling scarlet. And I was going to ask whether you'd come. But seems that you think it's stupid, so I won't bother. Harry suddenly wished that the pod had flown a little further so that he need not have been sitting there with... Veer, sitting near with the pair of them. So that he need not have been there, sitting between the pair of them. Unnoticed by either, he seized the bowl that contained the pod and began to try and open it by the noisiest and most energetic means he could think of. Unfortunately, he could still hear every word of their conversation. You were going to ask me? asked Ron in a completely different voice. Yes, said Hermione angrily, but obviously if you'd rather I hooked up with McCluggan. There was a pause while Harry continued to pound the resilient pod with a trowel. No, I wouldn't, said Ron in a very quiet voice. Harry missed the pod, hit the bowl, and shattered it. Rapara, he said hastily, poking the pieces with his wand, and the bowl sprang back together again. The crash, however, appeared to have awoken Ron and Hermione to Harry's presence. Hermione looked flustered and immediately started fussing about for her copy of Flesh-Eating Trees of the World to find out the correct way to juice Snorgeloff pods. Ron, on the other hand, looked sheepish but also rather pleased with himself. "'Hand that over, Harry,' said Hermione hurriedly. "'It's as we're supposed to puncture it with something sharp.' Harry passed her the pod in the bowl." He and Ron both snapped their goggles back over their eyes and dived once more for the stump. It was not as though he was really surprised, thought Harry, as he wrestled the thorny vine intent on throttling him. He had an inkling that this might happen sooner or later. But he was not sure how he felt about it. He and Cho were now too embarrassed to look at each other, let alone talk to each other. Ooh. 
to each other. What if Ron and Hermione started going out together and then split up? Could their friendship survive it? Harry remembered the few weeks when they had not been talking to each other in the third year. He had not enjoyed trying to bridge the balance between them. And then what if they didn't split up? What if they became like Bill and Fleur and it became excruciatingly embarrassing to be in their presence so that he was just shut out for good? Sorry, Addie. Hope to see you again later. Gotcha! yelled Ron, pulling a second pod from the stump just as Hermione managed to burst the first one open so that the bowl was full of tubers wriggling like pale green worms. The rest of the lesson passed without further mention of Slughorn's party. Although Harry watched his two friends more closely over the next few days, Ron and Hermione did not seem any different, except that they were a little politer to each other than usual. Harry supposed he would just have to wait and see what happened under the influence of butterbeer in Slughorn's dimly lit room on the night of the party. In the meantime, however, he had more pressing worries. Katie Bell was still in St. Mungo's Hospital, with no prospect of leaving, which meant that the promising Gryffindor team Harry had been training so carefully since September was one chaser short. He kept putting off replacing Katie in the hope that she would return but their opening match against Slytherin was looming, and he finally had to accept that she would not be back in time to play. Harry did not think he could stand another full-house tryout. With a sinking feeling that had little to do with Quidditch, he cornered Dean Thomas after Transfiguration one day. Most of the class had already left, though several twittering yellow birds were still zooming around the room all of Hermione's creation, nobody else had succeeded in conjuring so much as a feather from thin air. Are you still interested in playing Chaser? What? Oh, yeah, of course, said Dean excitedly. Over Dean's shoulder, Harry saw Seamus Finnegan slamming his books into his bag, looking sour. One of the reasons Harry would have preferred not to have asked Dean to play was that he knew Seamus would not like it. On the other hand, he had to do what was best for the team, and Dean had outflown Seamus at the tryouts. "'Well, then, you're in,' said Harry. "'There's a practice tonight, seven o'clock.' "'Right,' said Dean. "'Cheers, Harry. Blimey, I can't wait to tell Ginny!' He sprinted out of the room, leaving Harry and Seamus alone together, an uncomfortable moment made no easier when a bird dropping landed on Seamus's head as one of Hermione's canaries whizzed between them. Seamus was not the only person disgruntled by the choice of Katie's substitute. There was much muttering in the common room about the fact that Harry had now chosen two of his classmates for the team. As Harry had endured much worse mutterings than this in his school career, it was not particularly bothering, but at the same time, the pressure was increasing to provide a win in the upcoming match against Slytherin. If Gryffindor won, Harry knew that the whole house would forget that they had criticized him and swear that they had always known it was a great team. If they lost, well, Harry thought wryly, he had still endured worse mutterings. Harry had no reason to regret his choice when he saw Dean fly that evening. He worked well with Ginny and Demelza. The beaters, Peaks and Coot, were getting better all the time. The only problem 
was Ron. Harry had known all along that Ron was an inconsistent player, who suffered from nerves and a lack of confidence, and unfortunately, the looming prospect of the opening game of the season seemed to have brought all of his old insecurities to surface. After letting in a half a dozen goals, most of them scored by Ginny, his technique became wilder and wilder, until finally he punched an oncoming Demelza Robin in the mouth. It was an accident, I'm sorry, Demelza, really sorry! Ron shouted after her as she zigzagged back to the ground, dripping blood everywhere. I just... panicked, Ginny said angrily, landing next to Demelza and examining her fat lip. You prat, Ron. Look at the state of her. I can fix that, said Harry, landing beside the two girls, pointing his wand at Demelza's mouth and saying, Episky. And Ginny, don't call Ron a prat. You're not the captain of this team. Well, you seem too busy to call him a prat, and I thought that somebody should. Harry forced himself not to laugh. All right, in the air, everyone, let's go. Overall, it was one of the worst practices they had had all term, thought Harry. Oh, excuse me. Though Harry did not feel that honesty was the best policy when they were this close to the match. Good work, everyone. I think we'll flatten Slytherin, he said bracingly, and the chasers and beaters left the changing room looking reasonably happy with themselves. I played like a sack of dragon dung, said Ron in a hollow voice when the door had swung shut behind Ginny. No, you didn't, said Harry firmly. You're the best keeper I tried out, Ron. Your only problem is nerves. He kept up a relentless flow of encouragement all the way back to the castle, and by the time they'd reached the second floor, Ron was looking marginally more cheerful. When Harry pushed open the tapestry to take their usual shortcut up to the Gryffindor Tower, however, they found themselves looking at Dean and Ginny, who were locked in a close embrace and kissing fiercely as though glued together. It was as though something large and scaly erupted into life in Harry's stomach, clawing at his insides. Hot blood seemed to flood his brain so that all thought was extinguished, replaced by a savage urge to jinx Dean into a jelly. Wrestling with his sudden madness, he heard Ron's voice, as though from a great distance away. Oi! Dean and Ginny broke apart and looked around. What? said Ginny. I don't want to find my own sister snogging people in public. This was a deserted corridor till you came butting in, said Ginny. Dean was embarrassed. He gave Harry a shifty grin that Harry did not return as the newborn monster inside him was roaring for Dean's instant dismissal from the team. I come on, Jenny, said Dean. Let's go back to the common room. You go, said Jenny. I want to have a word with my dear brother. Dean laughed, looking as though he was not sorry to depart the scene. Right said Ginny, tossing her long red hair out of her face and glaring at Ron. Let's get this straight once and for all. It's none of your business who I go out with or what I do with them, Ron. Yeah, it is, said Ron, just as angrily. You think I want people saying that my sisters are... A what? shouted Ginny, drawing her wand. A what, exactly? He doesn't mean anything, Ginny, said Harry automatically, though the monster was roaring its approval of Ron's words. Oh, yes, he does, she said flaring up at Harry. Just because he's never snogged anyone in his life, just because the best kiss he's ever had is from our Auntie Muriel. Shut your mouth, 
bellowed Ron, bypassing Red and turning maroon. No, I will not! yelled Ginny, beside herself. I've seen you with phlegm, hoping that she'll kiss you on the cheek every time you see her. It's pathetic! If you want to go out and get a bit of snogging done yourself, you wouldn't mind so much that everyone else does it. Ron had pulled out his wand, too. Harry stepped swiftly between them. You don't know what you're talking about, Ron roared, trying to get a clear shot at Ginny around Harry, who was now standing in front of her with his arms outstretched. Just because I don't do it in public? Ginny screamed with derisive laughter, trying to push Harry out of the way. Oh, you've been kissing Pigwidgeon, have you? Or have you got a picture of Auntie Muriel stashed under your pillow? You! A streak of orange light flew under Harry's left arm and missed Ginny by inches. Harry pushed Ron up against the wall. Don't be stupid. Harry snogged Cho Chang, shouted Ginny, who sounded close to tears now. And the man is snogged Victor Crumb, it's only you who acts like he's something disgusting, Ron. That's because you've got about as much experience as a twelve-year-old. And with that, she stormed away. Harry quickly let go of Ron. The look on his face was murderous. They both stood there breathing heavily until Mrs. Norris, Filch's cat, appeared around the corner, which broke the tension. Come on, said Harry, as the sound of Filch's shuffling feet reached their ears. They hurried up the stairs and along the seventh floor corridor. Oi, out of the way, Ron barked at a small girl who jumped in fright and dropped a bottle of toadspawn. Harry barely noticed the sound of shattering glass. He felt disoriented. Being struck by a lightning bolt must be similar to this. It's just because it's Ron's sister, he told himself. You just didn't like her kissing Dean because she is Ron's sister. But unbidden into his mind came an image of that same deserted corridor, with himself kissing Ginny instead. The monster in his chest purred. But then he saw Ron ripping open the tapestry curtain and drawing his wand on Harry, shouting things like, Betrayal of trust. Supposed to be my friend. See you later. Hope to see you again soon. Do you think that Amani really did snog Crumb? Ron said abruptly as they approached the fat lady. Harry gave a guilty start and wrenched his imagination away from a corridor in which no Ron interrupted, in which he and Ginny were quite alone. What? he said, confusedly. Oh, um... The honest answer was yes, but he did not want to give it. However, Ron seemed to gather the worst from the look on Harry's face. Dilligrout, he said darkly to the fat lady, and they climbed in through the portrait hole into the common room. Neither of them mentioned Ginny or Hermione again. Indeed, they barely spoke to each other that evening and got into bed in silence, each absorbed in his own thoughts. Harry lay awake for a long time looking up at the canopy of his four-poster and trying to convince himself that his feelings for Ginny were entirely elder-brotherly. 
They had lived, had they not, like brother and sister all summer, playing Quidditch, teasing Ron, and having a laugh about Bill and Flem. He had known Ginny for years now. It was natural that he should feel protective. Natural that he should want to look out for her. Want to rip Dean limb from limb for kissing her. No, he would have to control that particular brotherly feeling. Ron gave a great grunting snore. (laughs) Doggish, welcome. I hope that was a good noise to come in on. She's Ron's sister, Harry told himself firmly. Ron's sister. She's out of bounds. He would not risk his friendship with Ron for anything. He punched his pillow into a more comfortable shape and waited for sleep to come trying his utmost not to allow his thoughts to stray anywhere near Ginny. Harry awoke next morning feeling slightly dazed and confused by a series of dreams in which Ron had chased him with a beater's bat, but by midday he would have happily exchanged the dream Ron for the real one, who was not only cold-shouldering Ginny and Dean, but also treating a hurt and bewildered Hermione with an icy, sneering indifference. What was more, Ron seemed to have become, overnight, as touchy and ready to lash out as the average blast-ended scroot. Harry spent the day attempting to keep the peace between Ron and Hermione, with no success. Finally, Hermione departed for bed in high dudgeon, and Ron stalked off to the boys' dormitory after swearing angrily at several frightened first-years for looking at him. To Harry's dismay... Ron's new aggression did not wear off over the next few days. Worse still, it coincided with an even deeper dip in his keeping skills, which made him still more aggressive, so that during the final Quidditch practice before Saturday's match, he failed to save every single goal that the chasers aimed at him, but bellowed at everybody so much that he reduced Demelza Robbins to tears. "'You shut up and leave her alone!' shouted Peaks, who was almost two-thirds Ron's height, though admittedly carrying a heavy bat. Enough! shouted Harry, who had seen Ginny glowering in Ron's direction and remembering her reputation as an accomplished caster of the Bat-Boogie Hex, soared over to intervene before things got out of hand. Peaks, go and pack up the bludgers. Demelza, pull yourself together. You played really well today. Ron... He waited until the rest of the team were out of earshot before saying it. You're my best mate, but continue treating the rest of the team like this and I'm going to kick you off the team. He really thought for a moment that Ron might hit him, but then something much worse happened. Ron seemed to sag on his broom. All the fight went out of him, and he said, I resign. I'm pathetic. You're not pathetic and you're not resigning, said Harry fiercely, seizing Ron by the front of his robes. You can save anything when you're in form. It's a mental problem that you've got. You calling me mental? Yeah, maybe I am. They glared at each other for a moment, and Ron shook his head wearily. I know you haven't got any time to find another keeper, so I'll play tomorrow, but if we lose, and we will... I'm taking myself off the team. Nothing Harry said made any difference. He tried boosting Ron's confidence all through dinner, but Ron was too busy being grumpy and surly with Hermione to notice. 
Harry persisted in the common room that evening, but his assertion that the whole team would be devastated if Ron left was somewhat undermined by the fact that the rest of the team was sitting in a huddle in a distant corner, clearly muttering about Ron and casting him nasty looks. Finally, Harry tried getting an angry... Finally, Harry tried getting angry again in the hope of provoking Ron into a defiant and hopefully goal-saving attitude, but this strategy did not appear to work any better than encouragement. Ron went to bed as dejected and hopeless as ever. Agate Harmony, hello, welcome. Good to have you here. Harry lay awake for a very long time in the darkness. He did not want to lose the upcoming match. Not only was it his first as Quidditch captain, but he was determined to beat Draco Malfoy at Quidditch even if he could not yet prove his suspicions about him. Yet, if Ron played as he had done in the last few practices, their chances of winning were very slim. If only there was something he could do to make Ron pull himself together, make himself play at the top of his form, something that would ensure that Ron had a really good day. Then the answer came to Harry in one sudden, glorious stroke of inspiration. Chatterbreak. Welcome back. Once more, if you don't like this sort of stuff, you can skip ahead in the VOD until you see uh, um, uh, the chapter art come back up. But for those of us who do enjoy it and enjoy being here to do this on the live version, hey, DBZNY, welcome. Welcome to Scooter Patrol. Good to have you. And uh, for you new folks, Agate Harmony, uh, Doggish Comb, welcome. I, I certainly look forward to you uh, refreshing your usernames. You don't have to, obviously, if you don't want to, but uh, it's always funny to me to, to see some of those randomly assigned ones and see what you all change them to. Um, I hope you're doing well. Hope everybody's doing great. Uh, here's our question. We've got a chatter break here. We're heading into our first Quidditch match with Harry as a team captain. Um, in those moments where you have found yourself responsible for something, for a group of people or for a team, something like this, what are your best ways to kind of decompress, to prepare yourself adequately for the things to come? Jujubee is saying, what will Harry do to bolster Ron? Put your thoughts below. Yeah, basically. Yeah, when you've got people, you know, especially, you know, what are the things that you do to calm yourself and what are you, the things that you do to instill some confidence in your group? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know from you. There was an incredible noise outside just now. I think it was one of the kids playing in the pool outside. Which Hazel says, eat healthy and sleep well. You'll feel good. I think that's one that a lot of people forget. Um, whether it's like test taking or... or uh, you know, a show, anything. Um, the way that your body feels has a huge impact on how your mind is going to feel. Your mind is, your mind, uh, you know, might be the engine, but uh, if your brakes are shot or if your suspension's all goofed up, um, your engine's not going to be able to work nearly as efficiently. Uh, Tanisha says, words of encouragement for other people. I think it's a very good one. Yeah, keeping keeping people feeling positive, making sure to highlight the things that they're good at good courtney says give everyone good food courtney was it you before who who was saying the same thing about uh because that came up uh harry potter 
welcome. Harry Potter. Good to have you here. Um, uh, when we were talking about how to, you know, bring somebody new into the family or into a new group, um, somebody mentioned food as well. I think a couple of y'all did. And yeah, Courtney says, yep. Yeah, that was a good thought as well. Yeah, food does a good trick, doesn't it? Yeah, feeding people well. I mean, I've I've been on some some uh, sets for, for shows and uh, uh, for films and such. And the, the overall feeling before versus after um, people have a chance to get some good food in them, uh, pretty incredible. Solid stuff. Okay, keep discussing as you will. Let's jump back in. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Let's see, what were we on? Like four, uh, okay, we're on the breakfast one. Is this it? No, we're past that. There we go, nailed it. Breakfast was the usual excitable affair. The next morning, the Slytherins hissed and booed, booed loudly as every member of the Gryffindor team entered the Great Hall. Harry glanced up at the ceiling and saw a clear, pale blue sky. Good omen. The Gryffindor table, a solid mass of red and gold, cheered as Harry and Ron approached. Harry grinned and waved. Ron grimaced weakly and shook his head. Cheer up, Ron, called Lavender. I know you'll be brilliant. Ron ignored her. Tea? Harry asked him. Coffee? Pumpkin juice? Anything, said Ron glumly, taking a moody bite of toast. A few minutes later, Hermione, who had become so tired of Ron's recent unpleasant behavior that she had not come down to breakfast with them, paused on her way up the table. How, how are you both feeling? she asked tentatively, her eyes on the back of Ron's head. Fine, said Harry, who was concentrating on handing Ron a glass of pumpkin juice. Here you go, Ron, drink up. Ron had just raised the glass to his lips when Hermione spoke sharply. Don't drink that, Ron! Both Harry and Ron looked up at her. Why not? said Ron. Hermione was now staring at Harry as though she could not believe her eyes. You just put something in that drink. Excuse me? said Harry. You heard me, I saw you. You just tipped something into Ron's drink. You've got a bottle in your hand right now. I don't know what you're talking about, said Harry, stowing the little bottle hastily in his pocket. Ron, I warn you, don't drink it, Hermione said again, alarmed, but Ron picked up the glass, drained it in one gulp, and said, Stop bossing me around, Hermione. She looked scandalized. Bending low so that only Harry could hear her, she hissed, You should be expelled for that. I'd never have believed it of you, Harry. Hark who's talking, he whispered back confunded anyone lately? She stormed up the table away from them. Harry watched her go without regret. Hermione had never really understood what a serious business... <laughs> what a... <laughs> Hermione had never really understood what a serious business Quidditch was. He then looked around at Ron, who was smacking his lips. Nearly time, said Harry blithely. The frosty grass crunched underfoot as they strode down to the stadium. Pretty lucky that the weather's this good, eh? Harry asked Ron. Yeah, said Ron, who was pale and sick-looking. 
Ginny and Demelza were already wearing their Quidditch robes and waiting in the changing room. Conditions look ideal, said Ginny, ignoring Ron. And guess what? Slytherin chase of Vasey. He took a bludger in the head yesterday during the practice and he's too sore to play. And even better than that, Malfoy's gone off sick too. What? said Harry, wheeling around to stare at her. He's ill? What's wrong with him? No idea, but it's great for us, said Ginny brightly. They're playing Harper instead. He's in my year and he's an idiot. Harry smiled back vaguely, but as he pulled on his scarlet robes, his mind was far from Quidditch. Malfoy had once before claimed he could not play due to injury, but on that occasion he had made sure that the whole match was rescheduled for a time suited for a time that suited the Slytherins better. Why was he now happy to let a substitute go in? Was he really ill, or was he faking? Fishy, isn't it? he said in an undertone to Ron. Malfoy not playing? I call it lucky, said Ron, looking slightly more animated. And Vasey off too. He's the best goal scorer. I don't fancy... Hey he said suddenly, freezing halfway through pulling on his keeper's gloves and staring at Harry. What? I... You... Ron had dropped his voice. He looked both scared and excited. My drink? My pumpkin juice? You didn't... Harry raised his eyebrows, but said nothing except... We'll be starting in about five minutes. Better get your boots on. They walked out onto the pitch to tumultuous roars and boos. One end of the stadium was solid red and gold, the other a sea of green and silver. Many Hufflepuffs and Ravenclaws had taken sides, too. Amidst all the yelling and clapping, Harry could distinctly hear the roar of Luna Lovegood's famous lion-topped hat. Harry stepped to Madame Hooch, the referee, who was standing ready to release the balls from the crate. Captains, shake hands,' she said, and Harry had his hand crushed by the new Slytherin captain, Urquhart. Mount your brooms. On the whistle. Three, two, one. The whistle sounded. Harry and the others kicked off hard from the frozen ground. They were away. Harry soared around the perimeter of the grounds, looking around for the snitch and keeping one eye on Harper, who was zigzagging at the far end of the field, below him. And a voice that was jarringly different from the usual commentators started up. Well, there they go. I think we're all surprised to see the team that Potter's put together this year. Many thought, given Ronald Weasley's patchy performance as keeper last year, that he would be off the team, but of course, a close personal friendship with the captain does help. These words were greeted with jeers and applause from the Slytherins at the end of the pitch. Harry craned around on his broom to look toward the commentator's podium. A tall, skinny, blonde boy with an upturned nose was standing there talking into the magical megaphone that had once been Lee Jordan's. Harry recognized Zacharias Smith, a Hufflepuff player whom he heartily disliked. Drifted off and lost your your spot. If you're reading the same version of the book I am, we're at the top of page 296. Oh, and here comes Slytherin's first attempt on goal. It's Urquhart streaking down the pitch, and... Harry's stomach turned over. Weasley saves it. Well, he's bound to get lucky sometimes, I suppose. 
That's right, Smith. He is, muttered Harry, grinning to himself as he dived among the chasers with his eyes searching all around for some hint of the elusive snitch. With half an hour of the game gone, Gryffindor was leading sixty points to zero. Ron having made some truly spectacular saves, some by the very tips of his gloves, and Ginny having scored four of Gryffindor's six goals. This effectively stopped Zacharias wondering loudly whether the two Weasleys were only there because Harry liked them, and he started on Peaks and Coot instead. "'Of course Coot isn't really the usual build for a beater,' said Zacharias loftily. "'They've generally got a bit more muscle.' "'Hit a bludger at him!' Harry called to Coot as he zoomed past, but Coot, grinning broadly, chose instead to aim the next bludger at Harper, who had just passed Harry in the opposite direction." Harry was pleased to hear the dull thunk that made the bludger had found its mark. It seemed as though Gryffindor could do no wrong. Again and again they scored, and again and again at the other side of the pitch, Harry saved goals with apparent ease. Let's try that again. Ron saved goals with apparent ease. He was actually smiling now, and when the crowd greeted a particularly good save with a roaring chorus of the old favorite, Weasley is our king, he pretended to conduct them from on high. "'Thinks he's really something special today, doesn't he?' said a snide voice, and Harry was deliberately knocked off his broom as Harper collided with him hard. "'Your blood traitor, pal.' Madame Hooch's back was turned, and though Gryffindor's below shouted in anger, by the time she looked around, Harper had already sped off. His shoulder aching, Harry raced after him, determined to ram him back. "'And I think Harper of Slytherin's seen the snitch,' said Zacharias Smith through the megaphone. "'Yes, he's certainly seen something that Potter hasn't.' "'Smith really was an idiot,' thought Harry. "'Hadn't he noticed them collide?' But the next moment his stomach seemed to drop out of the sky. Smith was right, and Harry was wrong. Harper had not sped upward at random. He had spotted what Harry had not— the snitch was speeding high along above them, glinting brightly against the clear blue sky. Harry accelerated. The wind was whistling in his ears so that it drowned out all the sound of Smith's commentary or the crowd, but Harper was still ahead of him, and Gryffindor was only a hundred points up. If Harper got there first, Gryffindor had lost. And now Harper was feet away from it, his arm outstretched. Oi, Harper! called Harry in des uh, desperation. How much did Malfoy pay you to come instead of him? He didn't know what made him say it, but Harper did a double take. He fumbled a snitch, let it slip through his fingers, and shot right past it. Harry made a great swipe for the tiny fluttering ball and caught it. Yes! Harry yelled. Wheeling around, he hurtled back toward the ground, the snitch held high in his hand. As the crowd realized what had happened, a great shout went up that almost drowned the sound of the whistle that signaled the end of the game. Ginny! Oh, whoops. Ginny, where are you going? yelled Harry, who had found himself trapped in the midst of a mass midair hug with the rest of the team, but Ginny sped right on past them until, with an almighty crash, she collided with the commentator's podium. As the crowd shrieked and laughed, the Gryffindor team landed beside the wreckage of wood underneath which Zacharias was feebly stirring. Harry heard Ginny saying blithely to an irate Professor McGonagall, Forgot to break, Professor. Sorry. Laughing, 
Harry broke free of the rest of the team and hugged Ginny, but let go very quickly. Avoiding her gaze, he clapped a cheering Ron in the back instead. As, all enmity forgotten, the Gryffindor team left the pitch arm in arm, punching the air and waving to their supporters. The atmosphere in the changing room was jubilant. Party up in the coming room, shame said, yelled Dean ex- uh, exuberantly. Come on, Jenny, the mouser. Ron and Harry were the last two in the changing room. They were just about to leave when Hermione entered. She was twisting her Gryffindor scarf in her hands and looked upset but determined. I want a word with you, Harry. She took a deep breath. You shouldn't have done it. You heard Stughorn, it's illegal. What's he going to do? Turn us in? demanded Ron. What are you two talking about? asked Harry, turning away to hang up his robe so that neither of them would see him grinning. You know perfectly well what I'm talking about, said Hermione, shrilly. You spiked Ron's juice with lucky potion at breakfast. Felix Felicis. No, I didn't, said Harry, turning back to face them both. Yes, you did, Harry. That's why everything went right. There were Slytherin players missing and Ron saved everything. I didn't put it in, said Harry, grinning broadly. He slipped his hand inside his robes and drew out the tiny bottle that Hermione had seen in his hand that morning. It was full of golden potion and the cork was still sealed tightly with wax. I wanted Ron to think that I'd done it, so I faked it when I knew that you were looking. He looked at Ron. You saved everything because you felt lucky. You did it yourself. He pocketed the potion again. There really wasn't anything in my pumpkin juice, Ron said, astounded. But, but the, 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 the weather's been good, and Vasey couldn't play. I, honestly, I haven't been given a lucky potion. Harry shook his head. Ron gaped at him for a moment, then rounded on Hermione, imitating her voice. You added Felix Felicis to Ron's juice this morning. That's why I saved everything. See, I can save goals without help, Hermione. I never said that you couldn't. Ron, you thought that you'd been given it too. But Ron had already strode past her out of the door with his broomstick over his shoulder. Um, said Harry, in the sudden silence. He'd not expected his plan to backfire like this. Shall shall we go out to the party, then? You go, said Hermione, blinking back tears. I'm sick of Ron at the moment. Don't know what I'm supposed to have done. And she stormed out of the changing room, too. Harry walked slowly back up the grounds toward the castle through the crowd, many of whom shouted congratulations at him, but he felt a great sense of letdown. He had been sure that if Ron had won the match, he and Hermione would be friends again immediately. He did not see how he could possibly explain to Hermione that what she had done to offend Ron was to kiss Victor Crumb, not when it had occurred so long ago. Harry could not see Hermione at the Gryffindor celebration party, which was in full swing when he arrived. Renewed cheers and clapping greeted his appearance, and he was soon surrounded by a mob of people congratulating him. This is like our. This is like what happened after the uh, arena match today with our Dungeon World folks.
What with trying to shake off the Creevy brothers who wanted a blow-by-blow match analysis and the large group of girls that encircled him, laughing at his least amusing comments and batting their eyelids, it was some time before he could try and find Ron. At last, he extricated himself from Romilda Vane, who was hinting heavily that she would like to go to Slughorn's Christmas party with him. As he was ducking toward the drinks table, he walked straight into Ginny, Arnold the Pygmy Puff riding on her shoulder, and Crookshanks mewling hopefully at her heels. "'You looking for Ron?' she asked, smirking. "'He's over there, filthy hypocrite.' Harry looked into the corner that she was indicating. There, in full view of the whole room, stood Ron wrapped so closely around Lavender Brown it was hard to tell whose hands were whose. "'Looks like he's eating the face, doesn't it?' said Jenny dispassionately. "'But I suppose that he's got to refine his technique somehow. "'Good game, Harry.' She patted him on the arm. Harry felt a swooping sensation in his stomach, but then she walked off to help herself to more butterbeer. Crookshanks trotted after her, his yellow eyes fixed upon Arnold. Harry turned away from Ron, who did not look like he would be surfacing soon, just as the portrait hole was closing. With a sinking feeling, he thought he saw a mane of bushy brown hair whipping out of sight. He darted forward, sidestepped Romilda Vane again, and pushed open the portrait of the fat lady. The corridor outside seemed to be deserted. Hermione? He found her in the first unlocked classroom he tried. She was sitting on the teacher's desk, alone except for a small ring of twittering yellow birds circling her head, which she had clearly just conjured out of midair. Harry could not help admiring her spell work at a time like this. Oh, hello, Harry, she said in a brittle voice. I was just practicing. Yeah, they are... they're really good, said Harry. He had no idea what to say to her. He was just wondering whether there was any chance that she had not noticed Ron, that she had merely left the room because the party was a little too rowdy, when she said... In an unnaturally high-pitched voice, oh boy, here we go. Ron seems to be enjoying the celebrations. Um, does he? said Harry. Don't pretend that you didn't see him, said Hermione. He wasn't exactly hiding it, was... The door behind them burst open, and to Harry's horror, Ron came in, laughing, pulling Lavender by the hand. Oh, he said, drawing up short at the sight of Harry and Hermione. Oops, said Lavender. She backed out of the room, giggling. The door swung shut behind her. There was a horrible, swelling silence. Actually, I'm going to reread that because this description is really good. There was a horrible, swelling, billowing silence. Hermione was staring at Ron, who refused to look at her, but said with an odd mixture of bravado and awkwardness, Hey, Harry! I wondered where you got off to. Hermione slid off the desk. The little flock of golden birds continued to twitter in circles around her head so that she looked like a strange, feathery model of the solar system. You shouldn't leave Lavender waiting outside, she said quietly. She'll wonder where you've gone. 
She walked very slowly and directly toward the door. Harry glanced at Ron, who was looking relieved that nothing worse had happened. A puck now! came a shriek from the doorway. Harry spun around to see Hermione pointing her wand at Ron, her expression wild. The little flock of birds was speeding like a hail of fat golden bullets toward Ron, who yelped and covered his face with his hands. But the birds attacked, pecking and clawing at every bit of flesh they could reach. Get off me! He yelled, but with one last look of vindictive fury, Hermione wrenched open the door and disappeared through it. Harry thought he heard a sob before it slammed. And that is the end of our first chapter. I really need to get some water, so I'm going to do my uh, chatter break, uh, my chapter break. Let's try that again. My intermission sooner rather than later. Um, let's see. What are we talking about, folks? What do we like? Here's a question. When, uh, when you've got friends who are um, sort of behaving in this way, what's your best way to help them out? That one, and then um, sort of what are your thoughts right now about sort of the dynamic between Ron, Hermione, and and uh, Harry? I'll be right back. I really do have to get some water because my throat is parched. See you in a sec. We'll talk more when I get back. And hello and welcome back to Mixer. Hope everyone's doing well. Let's see, what do we get for our uh, for our discussion here? We've got a couple of slightly longer than usual chapters, like even longer than, slightly longer than usual. Um, so I'm probably gonna be pretty quick on this betwixt chapter discussion, but, hey, welcome to Screams. Uh, Liberty, hello. Finally caught a stream, welcome. Great to have you here. Um, Courtney's thrown in some good ideas with food. We are, let's see, I believe our our discussion was uh, regarding how best to, uh, you know, help friends that are in a situation like Harry, Ron, and Hermione are. Uh, just sort of an odd, uh, a rough, um, oh boy, just a rough dynamic between the three of them. Definitely not a happy one. Um, Shotzi Red is wondering if I have ever read David Eddings, and I have not. What sort of series are we talking about here? Let's see. Oh, interesting. Okay, I'm seeing names like uh, Belgariad, Malorian, uh, Malorian, uh, Elenium, Tamuli, and the Dreamers. So I am going to guess these are very high fantasy. Interesting. Thank you for the heads up. I always like new suggestions. Um, uh, Louise says, help each of them come to terms with being honest with themselves. They can begin to have some honest communication. Abs uh, and then uh, Louise also says, but as a teenager, that would not have happened. And I think you're right. I think this is something that people are learning along the way. And this is a part of, uh, you know, one of the things that was really portrayed well in these books was people growing up. Um, people becoming adults, people sort of like realizing their shortcomings. And one of the shortcomings in this group is absolutely communication. You know, we find ourselves constantly uh, at odds with one another um, because people aren't being forthright for whatever reason. Um, you know, if, if we could all have a little bit of honesty about, uh, 
you know, who, who feels strongly about what other people or, um, uh, you know, who, uh, why, why a person is really mad. For instance, Ron, why is he actually mad at Hermione? Well, it's for a thing that happened, what, like two years ago at this point? Some nonsense. Communication. It's one of the things that they start to learn as they grow up. Um, and uh, of course we see Ginny, we start to, I, I think I saw a comment much earlier, uh, you start to see why Ginny married who she did, and without spoilers, yeah, absolutely, I agree, I think uh, uh, anyone who values action um, will uh, think highly of Ginny, because she is, she's somebody who, you know, she keeps her head about her, uh, for the most part, you know, she doesn't just lose her cool, but at the same time, she takes decisive action, and uh, for people who, who are, um, you know, focus on that. That's a good trait to have. Book and Hook says, I know this is not part of today's discussion, but a few weeks ago the discussion was about squibs in pureblood families, so I thought I'd share that in book one, Ron mentions that his mom has a cousin that's an accountant, but they don't talk about him much. True. Yeah, there must be some some very, like, we talked a little bit before about the jobs that, that would still exist in the magical world, but don't require... Um, actually, what we talked about mostly was magical-specific jobs... Um, jobs that are only in the magical world like care of magical creatures, that sort of thing um, but wouldn't require magic to participate in but that's a good point book and hook because there are plenty of jobs that would still must exist in the magical world in spite of being totally non-magical professions you know, care of magical creatures I would still consider to be a fairly magical pro uh, profession that doesn't require magic whereas, you know, stuff like accounting you know, uh, administrative stuff they must still exist but they wouldn't require magic that's a good point so Carzy says, "I wonder in half blood. I wonder if half bloods have a larger chance of being a squib compared to a pure blood." Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay, folks, shall we continue on? Um, here's a quick review for anybody who's jumping in late. We just read chapter uh, 14. We are now heading on to chapter 15. Chapter 14, called Felix Felicis, um, in which we have our first major Quidditch match of the season. It is uh, Gryffindor versus Slytherin, and Ron is in rough shape. He is not playing very well, because uh, he is not very confident in himself right now, so Harry hatches a plan. Um, he, uh, well, let's just say he hands Ron some juice that Hermione watched Harry put something in. Um, and of course, the chapter of the title being Felix Felicis, we can guess about it. Um, but they end up at the match, and things go pretty darn well. Um, because Ron realizes before the match starts that Harry did something to his drink. Um, now we find out after the match that, uh, well, Harry didn't put anything in his drink after all. He just made Ron think that he did. Because what Ron lacks is not skill it's confidence and so with a little bit of that confidence that comes from thinking you're gonna have a lucky day all day well Ron does just fine and they win um, but unfortunately this does not resolve the issues that came about earlier in the chapter um, after Harry and Ron catch Ginny kissing uh, Dean Dean Thomas 
not great uh, because Harry is feeling very strongly about Ginny and uh, Ron of course feels very strongly about about you know his sister just like uh, <laughs> to use the very UK term snogging all over the place Ginny admonishes him and I think you know uh, certainly not wrongly so uh, that uh, this is only an issue because well I'm not going to say I'm not going to comment about why but I do I do agree with Ginny here like she has her own life and, and Ron doesn't seem to be interested in helping her in any real practical way it's just more of a hey don't do any of that but in the ensuing argument um she brings up that you know Hermione, Harry has kissed Hermione, or excuse me, Harry has kissed uh, Cho Chang, uh, Hermione has kissed Victor Crumb, and uh, apparently this Victor Crumb thing with Hermione is especially bothersome to Ron, and the two of them fight all the way through the Quidditch match, and even afterward, after they have won, um, this disagreement continues, coming to a head when Ron accidentally barges in with his new snogging partner, uh, Lavender Brown, into a an empty classroom where Hermione is practicing some spells sullenly. She attacks him with some canaries, and that's the end, that was the end of our last chapter. Now, really quick before I go to our next scene, let me shut this door and turn off my noisemaker. I'll be right back. And by the way, when I say noisemaker, I'm referencing my air conditioning unit because <laughs> it's on the wall back there. I don't just have a running noisemaker. Although I know some people do. Some people use uh, like white noisemakers to help them sleep. And I will say that back when I had a really loud box fan, um, nights like one and two with loud box fan uh, in the room are a little tough to sleep. By like night four, having that sound on and just like leveling out everything else is so nice that noise can become like addictive for sleeping it's great it's it's uh soothing so let us continue thank you all for being here so very much um it's great reading for you and uh well i hope everyone's gonna be having a good week here on we go Chapter 15, The Unbreakable Vow. Snow was swirling against the icy windows once more. Christmas was approaching fast. Hagrid had already single-handedly delivered the usual twelve Christmas trees for the Great Hall. Garlands of holly and tinsel had been twisted around the banisters of the stairs. Everlasting candles glowed from inside the helmets of suits of armor and great bunches of Mitchell... Great bunches of mistletoe had been hung at intervals along the corridors. Large groups of girls tended to converge underneath the mistletoe branches every time Harry went past, which caused blockages in the corridors. Fortunately, however, Harry's frequent nighttime wanderings had given him an unusually good knowledge of the castle's secret passageways, so that he was able, without much difficulty, to navigate mistletoe-free zones between the classes. Ha <laughs> ha. 
Courtney says Sam's umbrage voice is also very soothing to go to sleep to. What? I would have guessed that would have been my, one of my most jarring ones. And Doggish Comb says Ginny is why this uh, this was one of my favorite, or Ginny is why this is my favorite HP book. She's great in this one. This one and the next one, I do wish we had even Ginny's one of those characters where I wish we had even more of her than even the books provide. Anyway, I just want to see what she gets up to. More adventures with Ginny. Or we riot. <laughs> Ron, who might once have found the necessity of these detours a cause for jealousy rather than hilarity, simply roared with laughter about it all. Although Harry much preferred this new laughing, joking Ron to the moody, aggressive model he had been enduring for the last few weeks, the improved Ron came at a heavy price. First, Harry had to put up with the frequent presence of Lavender Brown, who seemed to regard any moment she was not kissing Ron as a moment wasted. And secondly, Ron found himself, once more, the best friend of two people who seemed unlikely to ever speak to each other again. Ron, whose hands and forearms still bore scratches and cuts from Hermione's bird attack, was taking a defensive and resentful tone. Well, she can't complain, he told Harry. She snogged Crumb, so she's found out someone wants to snog me too. Well, it's a free country. I haven't done anything wrong. Harry did not answer, but pretended to be absorbed in the book they were supposed to have read before Charms the next morning. Quintessence. A quest. Determined as he was to remain friends with both Ron and Hermione, he was spending a lot of time with his mouth tight shut. I never promised Hermione anything, Ron mumbled. I mean, all right, I was going to go to Slughorn's Christmas party with her, but she never said. Just, I, just as friends, I'm, I'm, I'm a free agent. Harry turned a page of Quintessence, aware that Ron was watching him. Oh, just a moment. There we go. Okay, we're back. Harry turned a page of Quintessence, aware that Ron was watching him. Ron's voice tailed away in mutters, barely audible over the loud crackling of the fire, though Harry thought he caught the words crumb and can't complain again. Hermione's schedule was so full that Harry could only talk to her properly in the evenings, when Ron was, in any case, so tightly wrapped around Lavender that he did not notice what Harry was doing. Hermione refused to sit in the common room while Ron was there, so Harry generally joined her in the library, which meant their conversations were held in whispers. He is at perfect liberty to kiss whomever he likes, said Hermione, while the librarian, Madame Pince, prowled behind the shelves. I couldn't care less. She raised her quill and dotted an eye so fiercely that she punctured a hole in her parchment. Harry said nothing. He thought his voice might soon vanish from lack of use. He bent a little lower over advanced potion-making and continued to make notes on everlasting elixirs, occasionally pausing to decipher the prince's useful additions to Libatius Borage's text. "'And, incidentally,' said Hermione after a few moments, "'you need to be careful.' For the last time, 
said Harry, speaking in a slightly hoarse whisper after three quarters of an hour of silence. I'm not giving back this book. I've heard more from the... I've learned more from the Half-Blood Prince than Snape or Slughorn have taught me in... I'm not talking about your stupid so-called prince, said Hermione, giving his book a nasty look, as though it had just been rude to her. I'm talking about earlier. I went into the girls' bathroom just before I came in here, and there were about a dozen girls in there, including that Remilda Vane, trying to decide how to slip your love potion. They're all hoping that you're going to take them to Slughorn's party, and they all seem to have bought Fred and George's love potions, which I'm afraid to say probably work. Why didn't you confiscate them, then? demanded Harry. It seemed extraordinary that Hermione's mania for upholding rules could have abandoned her at this crucial juncture. Juncture. They didn't have the potions with them in the bathroom, said Hermione scornfully. They were just discussing tactics, as I doubt whether even the half-blood prince... She gave the book another nasty look. Could dream up an antidote for a dozen different love potions at once? I will just invite someone to go with you. That'll stop all the others thinking that they've got a chance. It's tomorrow night. They're getting desperate. There isn't anyone I want to invite, mumbled Harry, who was still trying not to look at... Uh, not to think about Ginny more than he could help. Despite the fact that she kept cropping up in dreams in ways that made him devoutly thankful that Ron could not perform legitimacy. Well, just be careful what you drink, because Romilda Vane looked like she meant business, said Hermione grimly. She hitched up the long roll of parchment on which she was writing her arithmancy essay and continued to scratch away with her quill. Harry watched her with his mind a long way away. Hang on a moment he said slowly. I thought that Filch had banned anything bought at Weasley's Wizard Weezes. And when has anyone ever paid attention to what Filch has banned? asked Hermione, still concentrating on her essay. But I thought all the owls were being searched, so how come these girls were able to bring these love potions into the school? Fred and George send them disguised as perfumes and cough potions, said Hermione. It's part of their owl order service. You know a lot about it. Hermione gave him the kind of nasty look she had just given his copy of Advanced Potion Making. It was all on the back of the bottles that they showed Ginny and me in the summer, she said coldly. I don't go around putting potions in people's drinks. Pretending to either, which is just as bad. Yeah, well, never mind that, said Harry quickly. The point is, Filch is being fooled, isn't he? These girls are getting stuff into the school disguised as something else. So why couldn't Malfoy have brought the necklace into the school? Oh, Harry, not that again. Come on, why not? demanded Harry. Look, sighed Hermione. Secrecy sensors detect jinxes, curses, and concealment charms, don't they? They're used to find dark magic and dark objects. They've picked up a powerful curse, just like the one on the necklace, within seconds, but some things that just been put on the wrong bottle wouldn't register. And anyway, love potions aren't dark or dangerous. Easy for you to say, muttered Harry, thinking of Romilda Vane. So it would be very... So it would be down to Filch to realise it wasn't a cough potion, and he's not a very good wizard. I doubt he can tell one potion from an... Hermione stopped dead. Harry had heard it do. Somebody had moved close behind them among the dark bookshelves. They waited, and a moment later the vulture-like countenance of Madame Pince arrived around the corner, 
her sunken cheeks, her skin like parchment, and her long hooked nose illuminated unflatteringly by the lamp that she was carrying. The library is now closed, she said. Mind you, return anything you have borrowed to the correct... What have you been doing to that book, you depraved boy? It's not the library's, it's mine, said Harry hastily, snatching his copy of advanced potion-making off the table as she lunged at it with a claw-like hand. Despoiled, she hissed. Desecrated, befouled. It's just a book that's been written on, said Harry tugging it out of her grip. She looked as though she might have a seizure. Hermione, who was hastily packing up her things, grabbed Ron by the arm and frog-marched him away. She'll ban you from the library if you're not careful. Why did you have to bring that stupid book? It's not my fault that she's barking mad, Hermione. Why do you think that she overheard you being rude about Filch? I've always thought there might be something going on between them. Oh, ha, ha. Enjoying the fact that they could speak normally again, they made their way along the deserted, lamp-lit corridors back to the common room, arguing about whether or not Filch and Madame Pince were secretly in love with one another. Baubles, said Harry to the fat lady, this being the new festive password. Same to you, said the fat lady with a roguish grin, and she swung forward to admit them. And what do we like for a Romilda Vane voice, folks? I need a voice for Romilda Vane. As we look at this very good chapter art. And uh, as usual, I want to thank uh, Luke Stoltzfus, um, uh, Mr. Foose in chat for uh, all the help finding all this fantastic art for these chapters. Luke has been doing a uh, knockdown dragout job for... Uh, for all of the various chapter art, and it is fantastic. It makes my job a lot easier, especially as I'm trying to uh, prepare for two shows on Thursday instead of just the one. I appreciate it quite a bit. Uh, and on that note as well, um, I'm going to be bringing this up again later, but uh, Sander in chat has been uh, doing basically all the infrastructure work on the, uh, the new Sidecar Stories fandom wiki. So thank you very much as well. And as always... Tuna Sunday, I don't know if you're in here right now, but uh, y'all can thank Tuna Sunday for the most part for keeping all of these areas uh, uh, essentially clean of, of hasslement and botheration. Those are some very uh, Dumbledore closing words, but I'm going to stick with them. Thanks, folks. Jersey Diner Waitress? I could probably manage something like that. Irish is a good thought, something very flustered. Okay. I'm, I'm seeing two for Jersey, so I'm going to go with those, I think. Um, Hi, Harry, said Romilda Vane, the moment, she, the moment that he had climbed through the portrait hole. You, um, uh, you, you uh, fancy a gilly water? Hermione gave him a what-did-I-tell-you look over her shoulder. Uh, no thanks, said Harry quickly. I don't like it much. Well, take these anyway said Romilda, thrusting a box into his hands. Chocolate cauldrons, they got fire whiskey in them. My grand sent them to me, but I don't like them. Um, all right, Thank, thanks a lot, said Harry, who could not think of what else to say. Um, I'm just going over here with 
He hurried off behind Hermione, his voice tailing away feebly. "'Told you,' said Hermione succinctly. "'Soon you ask someone, the sooner that they'll leave you alone, and you can—' But her face suddenly turned blank. She had just spotted Ron and Lavender, who were entwined in the same armchair. "'Well, good night, Harry,' said Hermione, though it was only seven o'clock in the evening, and she left for the girls' dormitory without another word. Harry went to bed comforting himself that it was only one more day of lessons to struggle through, plus Slughorn's party, after which he and Ron would depart together for the burrow. It now seemed impossible that Ron and Hermione would make up with each other before the holidays began, but perhaps, somehow, the break would give them time to calm down, think better of their behavior. But his hopes were not high and they sank still lower after enduring a transfiguration with both of them the next day. They had just embarked upon the immensely difficult topic of human transfiguration. Working in front of mirrors, they were supposed to be changing the color of their own eyebrows. Hermione laughed unkindly at Ron's disastrous first attempt, during which he somehow managed to give himself a spectacular handlebar mustache. Ron retaliated by doing a cruel but accurate impression of Hermione jumping up and down in her seat every time Professor McGonagall asked a question, which Lavender Parvati found deeply amusing and which reduced Hermione to the verge of tears again. She raced out of the classroom at the bell, leaving half of her things behind. Harry, deciding that her need was greater than Ron's just now, scooped up her remaining possessions and followed her. He finally tracked her down as she emerged from a girl's bathroom on the floor below. She was accompanied by Luna Lovegood, who was patting her vaguely on the back. Oh, hello, Harry, said Luna. Did you know one of your eyebrows is bright yellow? Hi, Luna. Hermione, you left your stuff. He held out their books. Oh, yes, said Hermione in a choked voice taking her things and turning away quickly to hide the fact that she was wiping her eyes on her pencil case. Thank you, Harry. Well, I better get going. And she hurried off, without giving Harry time to offer words of comfort, though admittedly he could not think of any. She's a bit upset, said Luna. I thought at first it was moaning Myrtle in there, but it turned out to be Hermione. She said something about that Ron Weasley. Yeah, they've had a row, said Harry. He says very funny things sometimes, doesn't he? said Luna, as they set off down the corridor together. But he can be a bit unkind. I noticed that last year. I suppose, said Lin said Harry. Luna was demonstrating her usual knack of speaking uncomfortable truths. He had never met anyone quite like her. So have you had a good time? Oh, it's been all right, said Luna. A bit lonely without the D.A. Ginny's been nice, though. She stopped two boys in our transfiguration class calling me Looney the other day. How would you like to come to Slughorn's party with me tonight? The words were out of Harry's mouth before he could stop himself. He heard himself say them as though they were from a stranger. Luna turned her protuberant eyes upon him in surprise. Slughorn's party? With you? Yeah, said Harry. We are supposed to bring guests, so I thought that you might like... I mean, 
He was keen to make his intentions perfectly clear. I mean, just as friends, you know. But if you don't want to... He was already half hoping that she didn't want to. Oh no, I'd love to go with you as friends, said Luna, beaming as he had never seen her beam before. Nobody's ever asked me to a dance before. As a friend? Excuse me. Nobody's ever asked me to a party before. As a friend? Is that why you dyed your eyebrow? For the party? Should I dye mine too? No, said Harry firmly. That was a mistake. I'll get Hermione to put them right for me. So I'll meet you in the entrance hall at eight o'clock then. Ah! <laughs> Screamed a voice from overhead, both of them, and they jumped. Unnoticed by either of them, they just passed right underneath Peeves, who was hanging upside down from a chandelier and grinning mischievously at them. Potty asked Luna to go to the party. Potty loves Looney. Potty loves Looney. And he zoomed away, cackling and shrieking. Potty loves Looney. Nice to keep these things private, said Harry. And sure enough, it was no time at all that the whole school seemed to know that Harry Potter was taking Luna Lovegood to Slughorn's party. <laughs> you, could, you could have taken anyone said Ron, in disbelief over dinner. Anyone. And you chose Looney Lovegood. Don't call her that, Ron, snapped Ginny, pausing behind Harry on her way to join friends. I'm really glad that you're taking her, Harry. She's so excited. And she moved down the table to sit with Dean. Harry tried to feel pleased that Ginny was glad he was taking Luna to the party, but couldn't quite manage it. A long way down the table... Hermione was sitting alone, playing with her stew. Harry noticed Ron looking at her furtively. You could say sorry, suggested Harry bluntly. What, and be attacked by another flock of canaries, muttered Ron. What did you have to imitate her for? She laughed at my moustache. So did I. It was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. But Ron did not seem to have heard. Lavender had just arrived with Parvati. Squeezing herself in between Harry and Ron, Lavender flung her arms around Ron's neck. Hi, Harry, said Parvati, who, like him, seemed faintly embarrassed and bored by the behavior of their two friends. Hi, said Harry. How are you? You're staying at Hogwarts, then. I heard that your parents wanted you to leave. I managed to talk them out of it for the time being said Parvati. That Katie thing really freaked them out, but as there hasn't been anything else lately... Oh, hello, Hermione. Parvati positively beamed. Harry could tell she was feeling guilty for having laughed at Hermione in transfiguration. He looked around and saw that Hermione was beaming back, if possibly, if possible, even more brightly. Girls were very strange sometimes. Hi, Parvati. In the, in the text, she pronounces the word correctly, unlike I seem to be able to do this evening. Thanks for bearing with me. Hashtag scream go wonky. Hi, Pavati, said Hermione, ignoring Ron and Lavender completely. Are you going to Slughorn's party tonight? No invite, said Pavati gloomily. I'd love to go, though. It seems like it's going to be really good. You're going, aren't you? Yes, I'm meeting Cormac at eight, where... There was a noise like a plunger being withdrawn from a blocked sink, and Ron surfaced. What an incredible piece of description that was. Good lord. 
Hermione acted as though she had not seen or heard anything. We're going to the party together. Gormek, said Parvati. Gormek McCluggan, you mean? That's right, said Hermione sweetly. The one who almost, she put a great deal of emphasis on the word, became Gryffindor Keeper. Are you going to go with him then, said Parvati, wide-eyed. Oh, yes. Didn't you know, said Hermione with a most un ish giggle. No, said Parvati, looking positively agog at this piece of gossip. Wow, you like your Quidditch players, don't you? First Cram, then McCluggan. I like really good Quidditch players, Hermione corrected her, still smiling. Well, see you. Got to go and get ready for the party. She left. At once, Lavender and Parvati put their heads together to discuss this new development. With everything they had ever heard about McCloggan and all they had discussed about Hermione. Oh, excuse me, and all that they had ever guessed about Hermione. Ron looked strangely blank and said nothing. Harry was left to ponder in silence the depths to which girls would sink to get revenge. When he arrived in the entrance hall at eight o'clock that night, he found an unusually large number of girls lurking there, all of whom seemed to be staring at him resentfully as he approached Luna. She was wearing a set of spangled silver robes that were attracting a certain amount of giggles from the onlookers, but otherwise she looked quite nice. Harry was glad, in any case, that she had left her radish earrings, her butterbeer cork necklace, and all of her spectre specs. Or, excuse me, and her spectre specs, not all of them. She just walks into the party wearing, like, 16 pairs of these things all over the place. Oh. Oh, let's try that again. Hi, he said. Shall we get going, then? Oh, yes, she said happily. Where is the party? Slughorn's office said Harry, leading her up the marble staircase, away from all the staring and muttering. Did you hear? There's supposed to be a vampire coming. Rufus Scrimger? asked Luna. I... what? said Harry, disconcerted. You mean the Minister of Magic? Yes, he's a vampire, said Luna matter-of-factly. Father wrote a very long article about it when Scrimger first took over from Cornelius Fudge but he was forced not to publish by somebody from the Ministry. Obviously, they don't want the truth to get out. Harry, who thought that it was most unlikely that Rufus Scrimgeour was a vampire, but who was nonetheless used to Luna repeating her father's bizarre views, though they were fact, did not reply. They were already approaching Slughorn's office, and the sounds of laughter, music, and loud conversations were going louder with every step that they took. Whether it had been built that way, or because he had used magical trickery to make it so, Slughorn's office was much larger than the usual teacher's study. The ceiling and walls had been draped with emerald, crimson, and gold hangings, so that it looked as though they were all inside a vast tent. The room was crowded and stuffy and bathed in the red light cast by an ornate golden lamp dangling from the center of the ceiling, in which real fairies were fluttering, each a brilliant speck of light. Loud singing, accompanied by what sounded like mandolins, issued from a distant corner. A haze of pipe smoke hung over several elderly warlocks deep in conversation, and a number of house elves were negotiating their way squeakily through the forest of knees, obscured by the heavy silver platters of food that they were bearing, so that they looked like little roving tables. Harry, my boy, boomed Slughorn, 
almost as soon as Harry and Luna had squeezed in through the door. Come in, come in. So many people that I would like you to meet. Slughorn was wearing a tasseled velvet hat to match his smoking jacket. Gripping Harry's arm so tightly he might have been hoping to disapparate with him, Slughorn led him purposefully into the party. Harry seized Luna's hand and dragged her along with him. Harry, I would like you to meet... Eldred Wolfen, old student of mine, author of Blood Brothers, My Life Amongst the Vampires, and, of course, his friend, Sanguini. Star of Ratatouille. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Warple, who was a small, stout, bespectacled man, grabbed Harry's hand and shook it enthusiastically. The vampire Sanguini, who was tall and emaciated with dark shadows under his eyes, merely nodded. He looked rather bored. A gaggle of girls was standing close to him, looking curious and excited. Harry Potter, I'm simply delighted, said Warple, peering short-sightedly into Harry's face. I was saying to Professor Slughorn only the other day, where is the biography of Harry Potter for which we've all been waiting? Um, said Harry. Were you? Just as modest as Horace described, said Warple. But seriously... His manner changed. It became suddenly businesslike. I would be delighted to write it myself. People are craving to get to know more about you, my dear boy. Craving! If you were prepared to grant me a few interviews, say in four or five hour sessions, why, we could have the whole book finished within months. And all a very little effort on your part, I assure you. Ask Sanguini here, if it weren't quite Sanguini. You stay right here, added Warple, suddenly stern, where the vampire had been edging toward the nearby group of girls. A rather hungry look in his eye. Peter, have a pasty, said Warple, seizing one from the passing elf and stuffing it in Sanguini's hand before turning his attention back to Harry. My dear boy, the gold you could make, you got no idea. I'm definitely not interested, said Harry. And I've just seen a friend of mine, sorry. He pulled Luna after him into the crowd. He had indeed just seen a long mane of brown hair disappear between what looked like two members of the Weird Sisters. Hermione! Hermione! Harry! There you are, thank goodness! Hi, Luna! What's happened to you? said Harry, for Hermione looked distinctly disheveled, rather as though she had just fought her way out of a thicket of devil's snare. Oh, I've just escaped. I mean, I've just left Cormac, she said. Under the mistletoe, she added as an explanation as Harry continued to look questioningly at her. Serves you right for coming with him, he told her severely. I thought that he would annoy Ron the most, said Hermione dispassionately. I debated for a while about Zachariah Smith, but I thought, on the whole... You considered Smith, Harry said, revolted. Yes, I did. I'm starting to wish I'd chosen him. McCloggan makes Grop look like a gentleman. Let's go this way. I'll be able to see him coming. He's so tall. The three of them made their way over to the other side of the room, scooping up goblets of mead on the way, realizing too late that Professor Trelawney was standing there alone. Hello, said Luna politely to Professor Trelawney. Good evening, my dear, said Professor Trelawney, focusing upon Luna with some difficulty. Harry could smell cooking sherry again. I haven't seen you in, in my classes lately. No, I've got forensic this year, said Luna. 
Oh, of course, of course, said Professor Trelawney with an angry, drunken titter. Or Dobbin, as I prefer to think of him. You would have thought, would you not, that... Now I am returned to the school, Professor Dumbledore might have got rid of the horse. But no, we share classes. It's an insult, frankly, frankly, an insult. Do you know? Professor Trelawney seemed too tipsy to have recognized Harry. Under her furious criticisms of Ferenzi, Harry drew closer to Hermione and said, Let's get something straight. Are you planning to tell Ron that you interfered at Keeper tryouts? Hermione raised her eyebrows. Do you really think that I'd stoop that low? Harry looked at her shrewdly. Hermione, if you can ask out McCloggan... There's a difference, said Hermione with dignity. I've got no plans to tell Ron anything about what might or might not have happened at Keeper tryouts. Good, said Harry fervently, because he'll just fall apart again and we'll lose the next match. Quidditch, said Hermione angrily. Is that all boys care about? Cormac hasn't asked me a single question about myself. No, I've just been treated to a hundred great saves made by Cormac McCloggan non-stop ever since... Oh, no. Here he comes. She moved so fast it was as though she had disapparated. One moment she was there, the next she had squeezed between two guffawing witches and vanished. Have you seen her money? asked McCloggan, forcing his way through the throng a minute later. No, sorry, said Harry, and he turned quickly to join in Luna's conversation, forgetting for a split second to whom he was talking. Harry Potter, said, Pre- said Trelawney in deep, vibrant tones, noticing him for the first time. Oh, hello, said Harry unenthusiastically. My dear boy! she said in a very carrying whisper. The rumors, the stories, the chosen one. (laughs) Of course, I've known for a very long time. The omens were never good, Harry, but why, why have you not returned to divination? (laughs) Divination! For you, of all people, the subject is of utmost importance. Uh, Sybil, uh... We all think that our subject is the most important, said a loud voice, and Slughorn appeared at Professor Trelawney's other side, his face very red, his velvet hat a little askew, a glass of mead in one hand and an enormous mince pie in the other. I don't think that I've ever known such unnatural at potions, said Slughorn, regarding Harry with a fond, if bloodshot, eye. Instinctive, you know. Like his mother, only ever taught a few of his kind of ability, I can tell you that, Sybil. Why, even Severus. And to Harry's horror, Slughorn threw out an arm and seemed to scoop Snape out of thin air toward them. Stop skulking. Come and join us, Severus. <clears throat> Hiccup Slughorn happily. I was just talking, talking about Harry's exceptional potion making. Some credit must go to you, of course. You had him for five years. Trapped with Slughorn's arm around his shoulders, Snape looked down with his hooked... Excuse me. Snape looked down his hooked nose at Harry. 
His black eyes narrowed. I'm sorry, I just spotted something very funny in chat. Can you imagine Sam being pulled over and talking in the Trelawney voice? Wow. <laughs> funny. I never had the impression that I managed to teach Potter anything at all. Well, then, it's natural ability, shouted Slughorn. You should have seen what he gave me first lesson. Draw a living death. Never had a student provo- provo- produce finer in a first attempt. I don't think even you, Severus. Really? Said Snape quietly, his eyes still boring into Harry, who felt a certain disquiet. The last thing he wanted was for Snape to start investigating the source of his newfound brilliance at potions. Remind me what other subjects you're taking, Harry? Asked Slughorn. See, that's Slughorn, not Snape. I just looked at the uh, S and decided to just shoot for the stars. Remind me what other subjects you're taking, Harry? Asked Slughorn. Defense against the dark arts, charms, transfiguration, apology. All the subjects, in short, required to become an aura, said Snape, with the faintest sneer. Yeah, well, that's what I'd like to do, said Harry defiantly. And a great one that you would make, too, boomed Slughorn. I don't think you should be in order, Harry, said Luna unexpectedly. Everybody looked at her. The Aurors are part of the Rotfang conspiracy. I thought everyone knew that. They're working to bring down the Ministry of Magic from within using a combination of dark magic and gum disease. Harry inhaled half his mead up his nose as he started to laugh. Really, it should have been worth bringing Luna just for this. Oh, excuse me. Really, it had been worth bringing Luna just for this. Emerging from his goblet, coughing, sopping wet, but still grinning, he saw something calculated to raise his spirits even higher. Draco Malfoy being dragged by the ear toward them by Argus Filch. Professor Slughorn, wheezed Filch, his jowls a quiver and the maniacal light of mischief detection in his bulging eyes. I discovered this boy lurking in an upstairs corridor. He claims to have been invited to your party and... To have been delayed in setting out. Did you issue him with an invitation? Malfoy pulled himself free of Filch's grip, looking furious. All right, I wasn't invited, he said angrily. I was trying to gatecrash. Are you happy? No, I'm not, said Filch, a statement at complete odds with the glee on his face. You're in trouble, you are. Didn't the headmaster say that nighttime prowling's out? Unless you've got permission, didn't he? Didn't he, eh? It's all right, August. That's all right, said Slughorn, waving a hand. It's Christmas. It's not a crime to want to come to a party. Just in this case, we'll forget any punishment. You may stay, Draco. Filch's expression of outrage, disappointment was perfectly predictable. But why, Harry wondered, watching him, did Malfoy look almost equally unhappy? And why was Snape looking at Malfoy as though both angry and, was it possible, a little afraid? But almost before Harry had registered what he had seen, Filch had turned and shuffled away, muttering under his breath, 
Malfoy had composed his face into a smile and was thanking Slughorn for his generosity. And Snape's face was smoothly inscrutable again. Oh, it's nothing. It's nothing, said Slughorn, waving away Malfoy's thanks. I did know your grandfather, after all. He always speaks very highly of you, sir. Well, maybe this matters. He always spoke very highly of you, sir, said Malfoy quickly. Sound that you were the best potion maker that he'd ever known. Harry stared at Malfoy. It was the... It was not the sucking up that intrigued him. He had watched Malfoy do that to Snape for a long time. It was the fact that Malfoy did, after all, look a little ill. This was the first time that he had ever seen Malfoy close his eyes. Oh, excuse me. Close his eyes. This was the first time that he had seen Malfoy close up for ages. He now saw that Malfoy had dark shadows under his eyes and a distinctly grayish tinge to his skin. I would like a word with you, Draco, said Snape suddenly. Oh, now, Severus, said Slughorn, hiccuping again. It's Christmas. Don't be too hard. I am the head of house. I shall decide how hard or otherwise to be, said Snape curtly. Follow me, Draco. They left, Snape leading the way, Malfoy looking resentful. Harry stood there for a moment, irresolute, and then said, I'll be back in a bit, Luna. Um, bathroom. All right, she said cheerfully, and he thought he heard her as he hurried off into the crowd, resume the subject of the Rotfang conspiracy with Professor Trelawney, who seemed sincerely interested. It was easy, one side of the party, to pull his invisibility cloak out of his pocket and throw it over himself, for the corridor was quite deserted. What was more difficult was finding Snape and Malfoy. Harry ran down the corridor, the noise of his feet masked by the music and loud talk still issuing from Slughorn's office behind him. Perhaps Snape had taken Malfoy to his office <clears throat> behind him. Oh, excuse me, to his office in the dungeons. Or perhaps he was escorting him back to the Slytherin common room. Harry pressed his ear against door after door as he dashed along the corridor until, with a great jolt of excitement, he crouched down to the keyhole of the last classroom in the corridor and heard voices. We cannot afford mistakes, Draco, because if you are expelled... I don't have anything to do with it, all right? I hope that you are telling the truth, because it was both clumsy and foolish. Already you are suspected of having a hand in it. Who suspects me? said Malfoy angrily. For the last time I didn't do it, okay? That... Bell girl must have had an enemy that no one knows about. Don't look at me like that. I know what you're doing. I'm not stupid. But it won't work. I can stop you. There was a pause, and then Snape said quietly, Oh, Aunt Bellatrix has been teaching you occlumency, I see. What thoughts are you trying to conceal from your master, Draco? I'm not trying to conceal anything from him. I just don't want you butting in. Harry pressed his ear more closely against the keyhole. 
What had happened to make Malfoy speak to Snape like this? Snape, toward whom he had always shown more respect, even liking. Sir, that is why you have been avoiding me this term. You feared my interference. You realize that had anyone else failed to come to my office when I told them repeatedly to be there, Draco? So put me in detention. Report me to Dumbledore, jeered Malfoy. There was another pause. Then Snape said, You know perfectly well that I do not wish to do either of those things. You'd better stop telling me to come to your office, then. Listen to me, said Snape, his voice so low that Harry had to push his ear very hard against the keyhole to hear. I'm trying to help you. I swore to your mother that I would protect you. I made an unbreakable vow, Draco. Looks like you'll have to break it, then, because I don't need your protection. It's my job. He gave it to me, and I'm doing it. I've got a plan that's going to work. I just need... It's just taking a bit longer than I thought it would. What is your plan? None of your business. If you tell me what you're trying to do, I can assist you. I've got all the assistance I need, thanks. I'm not alone. You were certainly alone tonight, which is foolish in the extreme. Wandering the corridors without lookouts or backup, these are elementary mistakes. I would have had Cram and Goyle with me if you hadn't put them in detention. Keep your voice down, spat Snape. For Malfoy's voice had risen excitedly. If your friends, Crab and Goyle, attend to pass their defence against the Dark Arts OWL this time around, they will need to work a little harder than they were doing at press. What does it matter? said Malfoy. Defence against the Dark Arts is all a joke, isn't it? An act? Like any of us need protecting against the Dark Arts. It is an act that is crucial to success, Draco, said Snape. Where do you think I would have been Where do you think I would have been all these years if I had not known how to act? Now listen to me. You're being incautious, wandering around at night, getting yourself caught, and you're placing yourself in a position of reliance on assistance like Crab and Goyle. They're not the only ones. I've got other people on my side. Better people. Then why not confide in me? I can I know what you're up to. You want to steal my glory. There was another pause. Then Snape said coldly, You are speaking like a child. I quite understand that your father's capture and imprisonment has upset you, but... Harry had barely a second's warning. He heard Malfoy's footsteps on the other side of the door and flung himself out of the way just as it burst open. Malfoy was striding away down the corridor, past the open door of Slughorn's office around the distant corner and out of sight. Hardly daring to breathe, Harry remained crouched down as Snape emerged slowly from the classroom. His expression unfathomable, he returned to the party. Harry remained on the floor, hidden beneath the cloak, his mind racing. And that's the end of our chapter. I would encourage you to check out the new wiki. Um, it's very exciting stuff. Again, thank you very much to Sander for helping so much with that. Sander's got some experience and some expertise that I don't. Um, 
We'll be adding that, uh, adding more to that over time. Right now, I think its primary utility is going to be um, kind of as a, a, a relic query of information for um, the Chat Plays Dungeon World campaign. So if you're interested in that, um, I think it might be my proudest homebrew setting. Um, and I've run a couple of them at this point. Um, so if you would like to check that out, uh, I'm adding lore to it all the time. And we are as well. If you are part of that crew, um, we are going to be having our spout lore session. Uh, this is not a, this is not a stream, just a, um, a Discord meetup uh, tomorrow at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now, for those of you who are watching this right now on YouTube as the YouTube premiere, that means that you can go immediately after this video. So in the next, you know, 10, 15 minutes, the real live one is going to be starting on um, uh, Mixer and Discord. You can find those links in the description. If you're with me right now as we speak on Discord, on Mixer, thank you so much for joining me. Um, yeah, Tuna uh, Tuna says, join chat plays D&D. It's amazing. And it really is. Um Anyone who likes the creation of fantasy worlds, I think you will have a really good time with it because um, the game of Dungeon World is really big on like collaborative storytelling and collaborative world building. So, you know, today we got to decide like, what does it look like to have a super wealthy tower? Like what does a mansion sort of lodged halfway up a tower look like? And uh, it's been fantastic. We just got sh just got uh, finished with a big arena fight today. Um, our party members have some extra cash on hand, and so over the weekend, y'all are going to go shopping. It's fantastic. And uh, Tuna also says, Sam does a great job helping anyone play, regardless of your skill level. And that is true. It's a very nice sort of beginner-friendly game um, that really focuses on sort of the storytelling and our ability to, um, uh, you know, describe things in detail and make it interesting, not because of the rules. Um, the rules just sort of help facilitate. So... It's a ton of fun. I hope you will be willing to check that out. And if you are uh, trying to catch up, the new wiki is a great spot to do that. Um, Sidecarstories.fandom.com. I'm super excited, and uh, y'all can contribute there as well. I think uh, I think it's time for beans, don't you? We've had a lot of intrigue in these chapters. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get the attention of my lovely assistant but uh we've had a lot of intrigue in these past couple of chapters what is going on with these plots Malfoy's insisting he's not involved even to somebody that we think he should be able to trust but even then doesn't seem like Malfoy is intent on trusting Snape at all no spoilers but what's going on here I, I like to gesture with very uh we'll call it esoteric collections of things Y'all have seen my paintbrush today. I assume that in the past you've seen my giant uh, piece of hardware here. I've got the hiccups. Oh, I'm glad these waited to hit until after the... Uh, that one was like a half hiccup. There we go. That one was the full one. I have done this in the past. Doing fake hiccups gave me real hiccups. Um... I had one terrible one where I had I, I had real hiccups and uh, for some reason the whole scaring thing actually works on me every once in a while. I would say like three out of every ten times it works. Um, but uh, my lovely assistant startled me to get rid of my hiccups um, and uh, I was pretending to grump and say that it didn't work and so I fake hiccuped and that fake hiccup brought on a real hiccup attack that was no longer than about, or excuse me, no shorter than like 30 minutes. The original one was like two minutes and she was like trying to help me out and then by doing one goof about it I had hiccups for the next half hour it was awful 
but I think I think my system worked. I would say nine out of every ten times I can get rid of hiccups by plugging my nose and drinking water. Okay, I'll be right back. Leafy toes, hello. Yeah, I just saw your um your follow notification um in between last week and this week, but uh, welcome. Good to see you uh, catching up to the live one, baby Zay. That's another name that I haven't seen a lot, but I'm very happy to see new ones. First time watching live. You're very welcome for doing this. I love doing it. Okay, I'm going to go get my assistant. I'll be right back. Special hat, special blindfold hat. Okay. Here we go. Um, <laughs> baby Zay apparently says, I tell my mother-in-law I'm pregnant to get rid of her hiccups. We were talking about how like, like three or four out of every 10 times. Um, if you startle me while I've got hiccups, it'll fix it. Yeah, but I don't even need to have to work that hard. I just have to be like, bah! Yeah, you got good timing. That's it. <laughs> All right. Okay, gang. Y'all ready? Shoo. Yeah. Leafy Toes, I'm glad you made the jump. Um, between Mixer and Discord, I can do some really incredible stuff uh, with y'all that I have never been able to do before. Um, and as such, um, I appreciate everyone who is willing to make the jump. Um Mixer is literally the only thing, only system on the planet that would allow me to do um, Chat Plays Dungeon World like I'm doing it. So I'm very thankful to have it. Stink bug. It's smoky. You almost punched me. I didn't almost punch you. I was just um, dramatic. It's stink bug for sure. It's the only one that gives me that weird, goofy, crappy, smoky flavor. Yeah. It's stink bug. I commit. Are you sure it's not Boom. Are they both white? They're both the same color. Like white with... I'm not doing all the beans with, with uh, no water. I'll be right back, folks. Ooh, we don't have a Michaela. Nate's putting in the... Uh... <laughs> Tuna's putting in the, this, the, the, the scores. Way. I don't know. It's very mysterious. Maybe if we had kicked off with a couple of good ones, but not a chance. Not a chance I'm starting off with Stinkbud. Stinkbud. Hi. This is my friend Stinkbud. I 
else read uh, Judy Moody? Judy Moody. I don't know if this this mic will pick you up as well. She's wondering if anyone has picked up Judy Moody. Has anyone has anyone read that? Stink. Hashtag brother. Stink brother. His brother. Her brother's name is Stink. Her brother's name is Stink. She calls him Stink. Is that is that his birth name? Sure. Is there a different camera? Mm. -mm. Doing a bad job. Mm. The lighting might be different. Mm. You startled me. Oh, no more hiccups. <laughs> okay. Ow. So. Thank goodness. It's a good one. Every Wednesday, um, we are on... This might not be a good one. It's turned bad. I'll have to circle back to this. Every Wednesday, we are doing um, our game streams. I had to skip this week because I didn't have a, a mic available to me. A friend was borrowing this. He came in clutch and, and got it back to me. I'll be using this in the meantime until I've got uh, a replacement for my other um, fancier, more attractive mic. <laughs> uh, but we're running through Disco Elysium. We're in like part 14. We are making some serious headway um, with that game and with the mystery. And I tell you what, it is a masterpiece of how to const how to... How to constrain storytelling within a game. So, I really encourage y'all to uh, check that one out. Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Let's see. So, it's pretty sweet. It started off pretty acidic. It doesn't have any of the, the hork. And for, all, for those of you who are new, the hork flavor is the, the very bad thing sort of chemical that latches onto the back of your tongue and says, hey, time to throw up, bud. Um, but that stink bug is really clouding the waters for me. Let's see. There was a lot of sweet in there. Bad sweet. I think I'm going to go with maybe spoiled milk. I'm going to go with spoiled milk. That's my final answer. So your options are peach, pork, dead fish, or strawberry banana smoothie. Hork Bajir? What is that? But I'm pretty sure it was peach or barf. I think that it must have been barf, but it just wasn't like a bad one. I don't think it was peach. Like, I don't remember peach being... If you throw up peaches. If you... That's that barf. <laughs> oh, partially digested peach. Witch Hazel, thanks for coming. I'll see you later. Adios. All right. Well, I certainly can't claim to have gotten that one. All right. Next up. Let me Let me get a... I need a little bit of a, a little bit of a refill. Oh, somebody just joined up. I'll have to take a look at that one once I got this blinder off. <laughs> of course, on Thursdays we have Chat Plays Dungeon World. If you are looking to get into that, you're not really sure where to start, but you don't want to watch all the back episodes. Um, we have a new wiki. It is sidecarstories.fandom.com. You'll be able to find the information uh, that you need to learn about the world. Honestly, if you're just interested and enjoy sort of the world-building process and how that works for, for authors or RPG creators, I am I said it before, I'm maybe the most proud of this setting of any of the ones that I've created before, and I've created probably four or five homebrew worlds, so I'm very happy with it, and uh, I'm hoping y'all be willing to check it out. I don't... 
Those streams are Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Or, excuse me, Pacific Time. Um, uh, uh, it was one of the ones that hit late. So, three hours before Harry Potter starts, whatever time that is for you. This one, I think, is going to be Rotten Egg. It's not the worst. Uh, it's Rotten Egg. This is the other one that gets me. Uh, yeah, the oh, the more I chew into it, the worse it's getting. Typically, it's like fine, fine, fine. Um, and then once that outer coating starts to wear off, like it goes pretty quickly to like really bad. This one is a slow build, not ideal. Uh, final answer, I'm going with rotten egg. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. I actually thought it was for a second, but it's very bad. The one bean that tastes bad either way. Hork. <laughs> Ugh. <sighs> what are we at? How many are we at now? Three? That's three? Okay. Let's go. Now, of course, y'all who are here are already going to know about this, but if you're watching this on the VOD later on, ah, don't forget, every Thursday, the Harry Potter live show is in Mixer and Discord. Um, I really like doing this with all y'all, and uh, I appreciate y'all all sticking with me for this. And everyone who has uh, caught up to the live shows, making it here so we can discuss them all together, it's a good time. Let's see. Oh, man. It is rough to keep those all in the same thing because that, that flavor is bleeding out a lot. This one... I think it's supposed to be good. I can't even tell anymore. Some of these are... Some of these have gone so weird that I can't tell if it's just bad flavor permeating a good one or if it's like if it's supposed to be a bad one. Or the awfulness has sort of died out over time. Oh. It's really rough. There's just enough bitterness. Bitterness. It's just buttery enough. Just enough bitterness, I think it's going to be dirty dishwater. Sneaky sock. sock. That's the one that gets me. I get I get snink snocked all the time. Two out of four. That seems roughly like my typical ratio. Um, and I tell you what, while you're looking for that one, I have not um, I have not checked the hashtag. So let me do that really quick. Oh my goodness! How could you? I don't know. It's terribly, terribly goofed. And of course, with my slow phone, that's gonna be rough. But we gotta find out if we got anybody extra, any uh, extra beans today. Let's see. HP out loud. What do we got? Why, yes, we do. We have, uh, it's actually another one from the same person. So out of yarn, hashtag out of yarn, or not hashtag, uh, out of yarn on uh, Instagram. You can thank out of yarn for an extra bean this week. Good night, doggish. I will see you later. 
So we got plus one bean this week. Do I have to? Can I just see it coming Close in this time? Eyes. Can I just watch it? Instagram. Can I just this time? What if this time I just watched it, and I just I just knew exactly what was coming? It, oh man! If you you're a joker, if you don't think that I would turn that into just a machine gun of bad beans, <laughs> you'd get got for sure. I don't. Not available. Is that what you said? Yep. <laughs> Please hold. Mm. There's a lot of grassiness up front. Um. Oh man, this might be one of like the super old ones. This is like, this is giving me earthworm vibes. I'm gonna go with earthworm. Is that possible? This one's dirty dishwasher. Come on. But. Are you sure though? Yeah. What this did is it? Birthday cake. What did it look? What did? What do the the earthworm ones look like? The earthworm ones are reddish brown. Like peachy. Mm, Dang it. No. Dang it. All right, one more bean for you. All right. Well, that was rough. Hey, Flying Strat. How's it going? <laughs> well, I appreciate it a lot. Thank you so much for being here. All right, so that was five? Mm-hmm. All right, our final bean. Remember, y'all can think out of yarn on Instagram for our extra bean. And you, too, can uh, initiate extra beans if you use the hashtag HPOutloud um, or otherwise promote the show. HP, the, the hashtag is generally the best way to do it because that way I can find it really quickly. Otherwise, there's a chance I won't see it. But I appreciate everyone who has spread the word about the show, whether in person or on social media. Thank you so much. I love having people in here to talk about these things and uh, to see what else it is we do here at Sidecar Stories. Y'all are fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks for the heart, Courtney. Oof, better than a paintball gun. <laughs> Liberty says, I love hate the noise that you make when you go to bite the bean. Ow. No good? No good kind of good? Ah. <laughs> uh, this one's very bad and salty. I'm going... It's booger. It's booger. It's booger, yeah. Alright, put another one on the board for me, boys. Oh. A ripe 50% success rate. Well, folks, I never claim to be good at this part of it. Lovely assistant, thank you so very much. Um, I don't know what happened there. I'm not sure. <laughs> Probably a long-time listener. Uh, good night, folks. I really hope that you will check out the... Um, uh, sidecarstories.fandom.com uh, it's a new wiki where we are going to be putting lore for different things and um, you know even if you're not interested in playing the game itself hopefully you will find something that you like because it is a big fun world building experience and we are doing it all together this is what uh, you know this is what J.K. Rowling had to do in in uh, building her 
uh, her world here, and we are doing something very similar for ourselves, and I'm enjoying it immensely. Thank you so much, uh, everyone who is uh, sharing about the show, telling other people, and thank you just for being here. Truly, thank you just for being here. Um, <laughs> I hope you've had a good week, and I hope you will um, continue to have a good one. Um, remember, folks, uh, get involved in any way you can. Uh, Black Lives Matter, and right now, that uh, that deserves to be amplified. Um, we are... Uh, we're in rough times for a lot of reasons um, but the best thing that you can do is nobody worried I, I think there's a big focus for a lot of people on everyone trying to be leaders I don't think everybody needs to be a leader everyone doing the small things that they can do is possibly the most important so thank you for listening thank you for watching Thank you for being here. Thank you for following along with me as we've moved around to different spots and, and uh, grown this thing into a fantastical adventure. I love you all, and I hope that you have a fantastic week. Goodbye, folks. <laughs>